0: In this episode, we are going to be discussing how to get to the main cause of having no energy. This is part one and our special guest, Morley Robbins, who I'm sure most of you will be familiar with, is the pioneer in the Root Cause Protocol as well as the Magnesium Advocacy Group. So without further ado, let's dig in all right hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of the truth about your health where our mission is to empower 100 million exhausted and burnt out men and women by teaching them the truth about their health so that they can go from exhausted to energized and no more is the truth about health exemplified in the works of our next guest who it is a pleasure and honor for him to be here today and and give us information about how to get your energy back. His name, of course, I'm sure you all have heard of him is Morley Robbins. He is the creator of the Root Cause Protocol and the Magnesium Advocacy Group. He received his BA in biology from Denison University in Ohio and holds an MBA from George Washington University in healthcare administration. And he's been training wellness coaches, nutritional counseling, and functional diagnostic nutrition, but most importantly has a really what I feel is a groundbreaking sacred cow tipping book on how to go about curing your fatigue. So without further ado, Morley, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Joel, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for that very kind uh, introduction. And uh, I'm I'm sure this is going to be a a conversation that will be long remembered. I think it's just our our phone conversations have been uh, scintillating. And I'm sure this will be no, no less than than what we've had in, in the past.
0: Well, I appreciate you being here. And it's always great to fill in the gray share areas when I'm on my own path of of understanding the information and like yourself, wanting to make a difference in people's lives. And I, I know your mission is to refine, re- redirect and redesign health. So people that our suffering can ultimately get answers and, and by having conversations like these and telling the truth and exposing it and having the courage. And I would say it to you, thank you so much for your work because a lot of people don't have the, the, the instincts or the wherewithal, or even, I guess, the gusto to want to, to, to prove that. And interestingly enough, just to kind of go into your background for people that, that don't know your story. You're in health uh, administration for many years, which seems kind of antithesis to what you do now. So maybe explain to the viewer before we get into how much you've researched and where you you have arrived at and and the genesis of of your book and outlining the actual content of the book, which is our goal in this three-part series to really go through each chapter and, and help the the listener who's exhausted and burnt out get energy back. Start with your story as how does someone who might be interpreted as being on the other team or on the other <laughs> side of the fence, yeah. how do they get into this side? What was the journey or what were some of the the, the pivotal moments, Morley, in your in your health care uh, journey?
1: Great question. I'll give people a quick thumbnail sketch. I Grew up in a very sickly family. Uh, my mom was an alcoholic, my dad was manic depressive with schizophrenia, and uh, <laughs> that's a that's a tough household to come into, a lot of illness, and my sister, uh, who just recently passed, by the way, uh, on the th- evening of Thanksgiving, uh, God bless God bless her, and she's in a better place, but she had her own health struggles uh, for many decades, and by the grace of God, knock on wood, I seem to have uh, circumvented a lot of that, but my sister was a nurse, so I was supposed to be the doctor, right? You know. And then I get to to um, college. It's like, whoa, this is this is hard. There's a lot of work involved, and uh, I didn't do well in, in college. In fact, what gives it away for, for the real fine <clears throat> detail, I got a B.A. in biology. That means I wasn't, I didn't have the academic horsepower to get a B.S. That's a that's an important clue for people. I'm sure if, if people saw my college transcript, they'd say, "How's this guy know how to spell iron, much less talk about it? But in any event, there is a plan. And if you, if you don't get into medical school, which I didn't, obviously, uh, and, and as Ben Edwards, a uh, physician down in Lubbock, Texas says, actually, really, it's a blessing you didn't get indoctrinated. Because um, it allowed me to, to be um, a free thinker, approach it a little bit differently. But I decided to go into business and to become a hospital executive and then a consultant. And like you said, I was working on the other side for many years, um, but I knew something wasn't right. Of What I was really good at, I was really good at forecasting. You give me some data and man, I could tell you where it's going. And through a series of projects, I began to forecast the incidence of chronic disease. This was back in uh, the, the late eighties. And then again, in. Um, it was probably uh, 2,000. Uh, it's just, Joel. It was frightening what was happening to the incidence of disease. So I decided I couldn't couldn't stay on the sidelines anymore, and decided I was going to be a wellness coach, whatever that meant. <laughs> and uh, I had spent 20 years uh, as a consultant, pulling a suitcase behind my back, you know, going through airports. You know, I was going from coast to coast, solving problems, helping hospitals get bigger and better and better, and um, but finally, my body said, "We're done. And I couldn't lift my hand above my waist. It was, my shoulder was frozen. As a chiropractor, you understand that dynamic. And I was encouraged to go see uh, Dr. Liz. and I said, hey, "I don't do witchcraft." And they sold me some supplements. I came back a couple months later. I was miserable, couldn't sleep, I was in a lot of pain. And finally the owner said, "Look, Morley, we love you. Go see Dr. Liz. Well, Dr. Liz is now my wife and uh, it was a transformational experience because in two sessions I had complete rotation and I was like, what just happened? And, she, and uh, Dr. Liz used a phrase that I'd never heard in 32 years of working in the hospital field, the innate healer. And I thought to myself, I didn't say anything to her. I thought to myself, if there's an innate healer, why do we have hundreds of thousands of doctors around the world? That, did, that didn't make sense to me. So I quietly set out to discover who is the innate healer. And that's really what the book is about. Cure Your Fatigue is letting people know that there really is an internal process that we all are endowed with if we have the right diet, if we're supplementing the right nutrients, and if we're not doing what, quote, they are telling us to do, it's a lot easier. And it's been a a magical transformation I never would have imagined uh, 15 years ago someone saying, hey, Morley, you know, when you're in your late 60s, you're going to publish a book on how to cure all disease. What? <laughs> how to overcome all energy deficiency. And um, and, and really, what, what what's really behind it, the nucleus, I think you, what you're really good at, Joel, is asking the, the critical questions to get at the essence of it. But the essence of what's behind the, the root cause protocol is I want to democratize healing. I want everyone to have access to what mother nature intended that we would have all along. And that's to bring ourselves back into balance. And when we're able to produce energy optimally and you understand what that's all about. And that's, you've got to have good adrenals. You got to have good thyroid function. But what you got to really have is you got to have good minerals in order to drive the metabolic process to make that energy. And, it's been a it's been an absolutely magical experience uh, to to build a, a Facebook following and now publish a book and then have a chance to talk with folks like yourself and and I, you know this is a, a pinch me is this real moment I've I've never had so much fun in my life I've I've never worked so hard you know every day begins with two to three hours of research you know starting out at five o'clock and trying to hit the ground running. But it's been it's been a phenomenal experience. And I've been able to connect a lot of dots that that's out there. And again, that that goes back to my my core strength, which is I'm really good at connecting dots. And that's really what's allowed me to have this um, I guess, awareness of what happened and, and what we need to do to solve it.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for for sharing your your personal background. There's a lot of a lot of commonalities that I can relate to morally. My, my mother was an alcoholic and my family was traditionally trained medical doctors and I'm the not real doctor. And, uh, as well as, uh, as the, the fact though, I would add on to when we first talked on the phone to set this conversation up, we talked about having a good batting average and really meaning when you do get to the foundational, as everyone is looking to do with root cause, hey, I realize I'm not getting, I want to get to the root cause. I want to get to upstream mechanics of not just putting a pill for the ill. And uh, ultimately, when you do that, you get you have a higher batting average and you help more people, which I would imagine from, from what you've told me and what I know about you so far that that's probably more than anything more rewarding than anything else to to really see the improvements of of people and and who get it, who've been frustrated and who've not been taken seriously, who've been marginalized, who've been even condescended and scoffed or laughed at and they're the difficult people when in reality, just like people, scientists that are forward thinking and are way ahead of their time, they're always criticized and condemned until eventually their being ahead of the curve catches up with everyone else. And so anyways, I want to thank you for that. And so with that being said, getting into your research, and, and I'll just kind of give the listener how I, how I got into and came across your book was my own health journey and understanding that I suffered with a stress-related, over overstimulated, can't focus, can't concentrate, anxiety, crashing in the middle of the day, circadian rhythm imbalance. And I had finished my undergraduate with exercise physiology. I finished an undergraduate in psychology. I finished the doctorate program in chiropractic. And here I was, morally probably over two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. My wife was pregnant with twins. She had to. I she had to go on bed rest. <laughs> we, we almost lost them. Oh and God. I I was tired. I, I was just graduated. I opened up a new business in another country. I, I had a lot of debt, and here I was right, waiting for for twins to be born. And I didn't realize that there was this term called adrenal fatigue. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if there's this thing called adrenal fatigue, which basically has my picture as the the picture boy of what it is, of what it described, only then to realize that it's not accepted. It's not a legitimate, legitimate diagnosis and going down the the, the same rabbit holes that potentially you did when you heard the word healer. I kept refining and refining and refining to understand that it goes so much deeper than the adrenals, um, the HPA axis as it works as a system. And ultimately I tell people, as you well know, cells become tissues, become organs, become systems. And if your system is not making enough energy, because that's really what it's about. As we talked about earlier, by definition, fatigue means you don't have enough energy then something must be happening, not just at the system level where medicine is very reductionistic and symptom treating and and pharmaceutically approached, but at the cellular level where we're just not making energy effectively. So why don't we start with, if that's what you arrived at 12 years ago and started going through the research and you've written this book in, in terms of cure with the CU with a square around it, why don't we kind of start from that and, and at the cellular level, what, what's actually happening for us to not have energy effectively?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a great place to start. And again, everything on the planet hinges on energy, right? You know, I spent a number of years in business. Well, there's a famous saying in business, nothing happens until a, cell, a sale is made. Nothing, you got you to gotta sell something in order to have a business, right? Because you got to sell something to have revenue. <clears throat> well, nothing happens in the cell until energy is made. It's the exact same concept. And, you know, I, I uh, did the training with uh, Jerry Tennant, uh, who's a, a classically trained MD down in uh, Dallas, Texas, ophthalmologist. He's, he's the guy that actually perfected laser surgery. Uh, But in his system, and he he was uh, for about thirty years, and um, he he ended up um, having to reinvent his metabolism. He He had to do research and get back to the basics. And he said, if I can get one cell to work, I can get them all to work. And that really inspired me. And so I got into uh, really studying where where does energy come from? But, um, it, they're they're called purple bacteria. They, they go way back in time, uh, back to the, the beginning of oxygen on the planet, uh, and that's a whole other discussion. When you take red and blue, you get purple, and so it turns chemical transition. <laughs> there's um, what's called inside the mitochondria are basically three basic steps. You've got glycolysis, you have what's called the electron transport chain, where you've got four complexes, but they're called respiratory complexes. This is where the, this is where the breathing really takes place. where <clears throat> the respiration with oxygen is really taking place. Um, most important being complex four, which we'll talk about. And when it's attached to the ETC, the electron transport chain, that then becomes what's called oxidative phosphorylation. That's a, what? What's he talking about? But all we're doing is we are making sure that we're making ATP. And there's a very specific process that the mitochondria go through to allow that to happen. And the mitochondria have a a little pool in the center. It's called the matrix pool. Well, the leading scientists referred to it as the copper matrix pool. Paul Kolbein at at Auburn University, the guy who figured out in 2004, there's 50,000 atoms of copper in that pool inside the mitochondria. It's like, wow. And then you begin to understand these um, electrical transactions that are taking place. Well, they're copper-dependent. And then we come to complex four, that's the one where oxygen—it's actually being held by a heme protein, like a catcher's mitt—to load it up with electrons, water. It's like Oh, that's actions on planet Earth. Because what most people don't realize, we breathe. We we can't live without it. But we can't age without it either. And so, that oxygen—it's the second most reactive element on the planet, after fluorine gas or fluoride. We know it as, but after fluorine, oxygen's second most reactive element. And it needs to be managed very carefully. And there's only one element on planet Earth that does that. It's called copper. Copper takes that oxygen, turns it into water. Copper takes what are called reactive oxygen species, which are given off in the process of making energy. It neutralizes them. It makes them okay to be with. Copper also, this, this is the most important People for people to realize that in the, in the sea of insanity that we find ourselves in post-COVID, not a lot of people are talking about the immune system. Well i've got 52 articles that, that demonstrate and prove that copper runs our immune system because the immune system is based on intelligence got to recognize what's out there got to got to mobilize the response and intelligence as you well know is based on energy <laughs> if for low energy we're just we just can't think right well our immune system is energy dependent it's copper dependent and I've got articles from 2008 that prove that copper kills SARS-CoV-2. So it's just, again, all of that has been pushed aside. And the thing is copper combats enemies. So it's amazing. It it creates energy, clears exhaust, combats enemies. That's a nice, that's 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 an incredible array of, of functions for one element that most people think are toxic. Most people, the, the, the meme that's running the planet, the, the medical side of things, is you're anemic and you're copper toxic. And, and that's not true at all. That, that in fact is the exact opposite because we are all copper deserts because we, we follow the Western diet. Most of us didn't know that they had suppressed copper in the soil suppressed its presence in the plants and animals. Well, our tissue doesn't have it, and then we're taking medications that attack copper, and we can have that discussion at some point. But the thing is, we are copper deserts. Well, critical research from 1928 at the University of Wisconsin, Hart, Steenbach, Weddell, and LVM, prove that if you deny copper to an animal, iron will accumulate in its liver. Well, that's a big deal. I mean, the liver, it's it's like command central inside our metabolism. And 500 enzymes depend on proper liver function. When you start loading it full of iron, it doesn't work the same way. And what does iron do? It suppresses copper function. And that's the work of of Jamie Collins and his team down at University of Florida in Gainesville. Some amazing research that's being done about this dynamic between copper and iron and people just need to blow up this idea that, that they're anemic. Because there's there's two positions that I take, pretty strong positions. One, there is no disease, there is no medical disease, it doesn't exist, but there is stress-induced mineral dysregulation that causes metabolic dysfunction. And so adrenal fatigue or you know, hypothyroidism or whatever terminology we want to use. Those are just it's sort of catchphrases to describe a, a set of symptoms that are all expressions of energy deficiency because minerals are missing and, and energy can't be made. So there is no, there is no disease. And, I, and I'm pretty strident about that. But the, the second is there is no iron deficiency anemia on this planet. Again, people are like, wait, no, that's the, the World Health Organization tells me that's the number one nutrient deficiency on the planet. It's like, well, at this point, you should know better than to believe the WHO. But the thing is, the number one element, the number one element on planet Earth, 36% of the Earth's composition, is iron. It's a, iron is the master pro-oxidant on this planet. And what happens with iron? interacting with oxygen? Well, we we call it rust. We know what rust is. We know a rusty nail, rusty pipe, rusty car. Well, that rusting process takes place inside our body when we're not managing oxygen and iron. And guess who does that? There's only one element. We're back to copper again. And that's the part that, that basic foundational understanding of what mitochondria do has been lost to the ages, it's not taught in doctor school. I, 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 would, I would gladly give you a hundred dollars every time you heard the word copper in chiropractic school. I, I bet I would be shocked if you had even heard it once. I, I could lose a lot of money if, I, if you went to the right school though. But um, no, it's just, I think it's a, it's a term and then get into the copper enzymes. And it, these are, this is a whole parallel universe that I never knew existed you know, even even when I was a, a biology student, I don't ever remember studying minerals. That wasn't part of the formal education. And, and I tease doctors about their degree, their MD degree, but it stands for mineral denialist. And they don't know what minerals are. And, and I think the other glaring challenge that we have is, and I'm sure you bump up against this all the time in your work, in your practice, is that the world has been trained to think in hormones, but hormones don't run the body. They really don't, it's, it's amazing. Every hormone that exists is made from an enzyme and 100% of the enzymes inside our body require a mineral catalyst to make it work. These hormones don't say, well, I wanna make some more of myself. It's just, it's incredible. Where, where are these critical reactions taking place? inside mitochondria. It's like, it's like, oh my gosh, and we're back to critical minerals like magnesium and copper. And and who's the bad guy? Iron. And nothing will kill the adrenals faster than too much iron in the diet. And you know that as well as I do. So I think people have been misdirected. And so we've been taught to focus on hormones. And we've been taught to focus on the nucleus. Well, that's where all the defects are. and And there's this big body of knowledge about how we create energy and what the, what the meticulous steps are that has been kind of pushed aside so that people don't, aren't aware of the real uh, engine that drives our energetic process. It's, it's been a f- phenomenal process of discovery over the last uh, 11 years.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so much that you said there and so many different ways that we could go morally with that. And (laughs) one of the very first things that I think of is in what you do, I think it's either in your introduction or somewhere near the beginning of the book, where if a doctor has a patient that comes in and they can't help them or haven't been able to help them and they try something on their own and they come back and tell you, hey, I've had a lot of success with this there's kind of a two-part response that could happen is the well you know continue doing that and I don't want to know anything about it or I I want to know about it because I, I took an oath to to help people and and so I have that mentality of if I don't know something, I'm not insecure and say, well, I don't want to know about it or I don't have the holier than thou. It's wrong and I'm right. Besides which the the evidence and the research is is so substantiated that you, you can't argue it. And, and these are universal laws. And it comes down to what we've learned in terms of energy production. And it begs you to look in the mirror as a provider and say, hey, like maybe I don't know everything that I could possibly know. Maybe even in fact, I've been making recommendations that have in the although I wanted to help this person wasn't the best recommendation at the time. And so. You learn and you understand. And so that's, that's kind of how I got on to again, copper. And I noticed with a lot of the clients that I work and like you said, I do a lot of six, six sort of standard deviations in terms of, hey, let's look at all of these different aspects and, and ultimately led me to why do most people that I have challenges with, have a iron challenge, genetically, and a copper challenge genetically, and they're exhausted and tired, there's got to be something there. And there is something there. And it it makes sense to the concept of what you say. And ultimately having uh, iron not get out of tissues is is a sacred cow that you're addressing in terms of just because you're iron dysregulated, dis, dis or if you have low iron in your blood, doesn't mean you have low iron in your body. And you could store up to 10 times more iron in your tissues than you can in your, in your blood. So anyways, as far as one of the things that I would kind of defer back to now is though in the organization of your book, you use two words called misled and misfed and i guess the segue to that would be why don't we know about what you just told us why do we not look at energy production from a from a science like we learn in high school because that's really we even though like you said before we got on the call the the old the old way it was educated with the it's one cell, one mitochondria—it's the power plant—and that's evolved so much further. the The question is, why are why are we not why do why don't we know this? And and how, what do the words misled and misfed have to do with that?
1: Yeah, great, great uh, direction. Um, there's no money in a cure. I mean, it's a very simple—you know there, there's no money in dead people. There's no money in healthy people, right? So um, there's a lot of money in people being less than healthy. So here's, an, here's a really sharp example of what led to this idea of misled and misfed. Um, there's a very famous physician named Paul Ehrlich. He, he, went, he was uh, fascinated by uh, immunology as a med student in Germany. He graduated in 1888 to give you a sense of his time frame. Uh, he wins the Nobel Prize in 1908. It's a, amazing to think what, what, what he was able to assemble in, in 20 short years. But um, in 1892, four years after he graduates from medical school, he uses something called methylene blue. It's, a, it's an industrial dye. Um, but he uses methylene blue to cure people of malaria. Now this this dye had been developed and invented in 1876 at BASF Industries in Germany. And when they caught wind that that Ehrlich had done this, they said, good on you, Dr. Ehrlich. We're gonna make it better. So again, he uses methylene blue to cure malaria. It's gone. (laughs) So BASF refines it and turns methylene blue into hydroxychloroquine. And now if you get malaria in the modern age, you're treated, not cured, you're treated with hydroxychloroquine for the rest of your life. That's what's, That's the difference between 1892 and 2021. We live in a very different world um, and we have been misled about where the, the focus of the, of the opportunity is, let's call it what it is. If, if the goal is to, is to get well, if the goal is to stay in balance, the, if the goal is to generate energy, you gotta be really careful what your sources are because there's a lot of um, misinformation on the internet. And it's not that people are necessarily um, malevolent, it's just they don't know, they're parroting back what they learned, but when you go into the source documents, you know again, a, a very important um, conversation I had a number of years ago was, you know, don't focus on what's new, focus on what's enduring. That's really what got me back to the research of 1910, 1920, 1930, and it's a different world than the modern era. So, so we have been misled about the the contemporary research is basically. Paid advertisement. I mean, it's just people don't realize the, the money and interest behind the research. I think they have a better understanding of it today. But the misfed is, I mean, there's just been massive changes in the world of agriculture, in the world of food processing. I mean, something as simple as NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. People, farmers have been using that for over 100 years. Well, guess what it does? It, it blocks the uptake of copper by the plant. Well then, you know, then we go into the modern era with glyphosate, Roundup. You know, there's no, there's no more perfect copper chelator on the planet than Roundup. It, it'll chelate copper down to a pH of one. And who taught me that? Stephanie Seneff at a breakfast meeting uh, back in in Chicago uh, three years ago it was, it was an arresting conversation to get her insights about this um, ubiquitous farming chemical that's used everywhere all over the planet and people don't realize what the what the cost is so we are we are being misfed both in terms of what we're being told is the problem but misfed in terms of the the quality of the nutrition that we're exposed to is it's a, it's a far cry from what our ancestors knew. And it's, you know, at, at the end of the day, we should be eating food that's real. And it's not real anymore. And you you know that as well as I do. And it's a challenge for people to kind of come to terms with that, that, oh, my gosh, I mean, my favorite whatever meal is, is not helping me. And, and it's just getting people to wake up to um, the cold, hard reality that We've got to put a lot of effort into making sure we're, we know where our food is coming from. Do we know the source? Have we actually spoken to the source? You know, do you know the farmers that are providing your food? Well, it's not an easy task to do that, but go to farmers markets or uh, find, You might, if you go to Whole Foods, identify what the farm is that's producing that particular food. Call them up, find out what they're doing to feed the soil. What are they doing to feed the animals? And get a sense of, of what's going on. And is that more work? You better believe it is, but you're gonna have a lot more control over what's actually going inside your body so that you have a sense of certainty about what you're doing to ensure your, your good health. So misled, misfed, just, I don't know, it, it came to me uh, before a presentation and it has, has served me well over the years because it helps people crystallize where the problems started and how they keep enduring on a day-by-day basis.
0: Yeah. Again, there's a lot that you said there. And the first thing that comes to my mind is later in the book, which we'll probably talk about in, in the next time we talk, but just to reference it in terms of Weston A. Price and how his goal or he went across the world and looked at indigenous countries or indigenous people and found that they had immaculate arches and teeth development. And this was because they had amazing soils and amazing foods that were uh, replete with nutrients and minerals and also had uh, healthy fats and lots of copper, obviously, and animals and all of the things in between. I, I went on to research a little bit after that and there up until i think the 40s or 50s in the curriculum of the dental school was was nutrition mm-hmm. and and then up until a certain point it it, it kind of comes to a crossroads of does preventative suggestions keep us in business Right. And and now you sort of are greeted with a smile and a a lollipop after as a child with with a dentist. Right. Because after all, they're they're bad guys and they got to, you know, give you a a needle or pull a tooth. So here's here's a lollipop, wink, wink. But at the same time, that's that's what keeps them in business. And why, you know, unfortunately, do we have to get rid of a curriculum that would prevent the problem? And I think that's a microcosm of what you just said right in terms of being misled and misfed and yeah
1: absolutely people people don't um, hal huggins is a famous dentist that people may have heard of um did a lot of work with uh, mercury and things like that well he actually inherited uh dr price's research uh, on root canals and i i was actually at a conference where he was was there he was present. i actually got a chance to shake his hand and thank him for his work but um People don't realize that the, um, the the level of of I guess dysregulation that can start with the dental visit. And in fact, I think Dr. Huggins wrote his book "It's All in Your Head" because he what he figured out was about eighty percent of the physical problems that people have start with a visit to their dentist, and they don't realize that they're not they're not thinking about that. You know, that tooth that needs to be pulled or filled or whatever it can lead to all sorts of mineral loss and mineral dysregulation and then energy loss. And it's just, and of course, um, uh, back to Jerry Tennant, every one of these teeth of ours is connected to some organ system, uh, thanks to the uh, traditional Chinese medicine. And so there's a very tight connection between our organ health and our teeth health and they're communicating with each other. It's, it's absolutely amazing as, as you well know. And it's just getting people to realize that there's more to the story it isn't this this program response you know if this then that well that's just a narrative and there's so much more to the story and it's actually far more uh, simple than people realize but it's also enormous in its significance so it's just getting people to recognize that
0: yeah. And just to finalize that uh, dental profession, one of another mentor that I did a lot of research and followed his work was a, a doctor named Dr. Robert Marshall. And he talked about the, that there's probably no greater profession that created more harm to our health than the dental profession, because number one, the fluoride number most reactive, you know, element <laughs> on, on the planet but then mercury on top of that. And then, but anyways, that's just a side note. So as far as um, the next topic, I guess we would talk about is the fact that, okay, well, I can accept that idea that um, the body makes energy. And that's ultimately what I teach people as well. Morley is, is like, Fundamentally, think of it very easily. Like you said, it when you think about it easily, you have a demand and supply problem, and you're not producing energy at the demand that your level your body needs. And as a result, it's gonna make decisions based on the available income that it has. Right. And and I and, and which we'll get into later too, which I want just to make sure you're aware of this question coming up is nothing happens until you have a sale and until you have a sale, then you're in business. However, with that being said, as we get into the actual root cause protocols, the majority of your emphasis is on decreasing overhead, right. And not increasing income. Right. (laughs) You know, if you think about, right. Right. So that's your, your main emphasis too. So that there's a lot to be said with that in terms of, you want to make sure you, you get enough income coming in to meet demand, but you also want to make sure I tell people, hey, as your business consultant to your body, it's much easier to lower your overhead and reduce the expenses of the things that you're using up valuable energy for that you automatically are ahead of a penny earned is a, pen, a penny saved of, or penny saved is a penny earned. So I think that's really important for sure. But here's the thing, let's kind of talk about the free radical, free radical aging theory with oxidation and quite simply how, because there's a couple of things I want to ask you as an adjunct to that question, but let's just start with that theory in terms of the free radical theory of aging. You're either quite simply, like you said, combining hydrogen and oxygen to produce water or ATP, or you're not. It's right. that simple you're either producing energy effectively, while at the same time, reducing exhaust and inflammation, or you're not, or you're producing inflammation and exhaust, and not amount of energy. And I tell people the analogy is like, imagine you working with for me for a week. And at the end of the week, instead of me giving you a paycheck, you have the 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 luxury of paying to work for me and it's double that's a double negative right on the one hand you should be earning an income on the other hand you're paying an expense uh, and in this case because you're not creating energy you're creating inflammation it's actually causing costing you money for that process while you're not making the energy so anyways why don't we get into the free radical theory of aging and explain what that has to do with the root cause protocol
1: Absolutely. And I think it's, uh, I love the overhead analogy. I love that. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, people need to understand that, that the mitochondria, it's, it's, a, it's a two-stroke engine. But um, the complex four that's so important, its formal name is called cytochrome C oxidase. And that's where oxygen gets turned into water very very important transaction as we're as we're recognizing but when you get into that complex it is a two-stroke engine there's there's many different steps in it but the downstroke is to create hydrogen peroxide so it turns oxygen into hydrogen peroxide and then the upstroke is to turn that hydrogen peroxide h2o2 into two molecules of h2o and that requires energy to do that and, and if there isn't copper to do that heavy lifting, it doesn't happen. Now, what is hydrogen peroxide? It's another way of saying inflammation. Inflammation is just a, a dysregulated mitochondria that's making H2O2, and it's not making two molecules of H2O. So people need to know where, where that inflammation is coming from and so the, the key is making sure that people realize that this mechanism is, is that basic that in terms of making sure that we're, we're following through, that we're, that we're producing the energy that we need to. And so the, the, the key is, is bringing that process forward for our entire body. It's, like, it's, it's kind of fascinating to think about the, the magnitude of it. And the, the, the essence is making sure that, that there is copper in our diet and that we are able to um, make that conversion on a consistent and efficient basis in, in the body, uh, throughout the body, throughout the, the, uh, the tissue and the, and the cellular structures. So the, the, the focus, though, uh, and let me let's come back to your specific question. You you really wanted to drill into the exact what was the, what was the real target? So user? it was
0: more the free radical age. Oh, right. yeah, right. All right, thank you.
1: So, free radical theory of aging comes by way of a very famous physician. His name was Denham Harmon. Denham Harmon was actually a—he uh, was an industrial engineer. He was studying oxidative stress in the industrial setting, and he had a PhD. And he, he decided, I wonder if this—if these concepts that are so prevalent in the industrial setting, I wonder if they apply to humans. He decides to become a doctor. Well, he doesn't just go to medical school he goes to stanford it's like oh my god and um and in 1956 um, he publishes this article on the free radical theory of aging what was very controversial this idea because what it introduced this is a real important part for people to understand that up until that time all disease was booga-wooga bad. It was outside your body. It was invading. And it was, you, you needed to be under threat and under attack. And what, what Denham Harman exposed was actually, <laughs> we're producing the, the free radicals inside us in the process of making energy. And that's destabilizing our homeostasis. Well, that was a very heretical thing to propose. And it was hotly debated, as you can imagine. But in 1969, a very important, breakthrough took place at Duke University. And Joe McCord and his faculty advisor, Erwin Fredovich, who just recently passed away, just last year actually, Dr. Fredovich passed away, Um, famous uh, research physiologist. But um, they discovered a very important enzyme called superoxide dismutase, S-O-D. And there's three different forms of them, but the one that they'd found was called SOD Roman I. It's got two atoms of copper, one atom of zinc. Zinc is structural, copper is catalytic. There's a difference between catalytic and structure. And um, when when they brought that research forward, suddenly there was confirmation of what Dr. Harmon had been talking about in 1956. Well then on the heels of that research, Dr. Harman published an article in 1972 on the free radical theory inside the mitochondria, which is, you know, he's building momentum. And then what's amazing is that in his 90th year of living on the planet in 2006, he does an update of his free radical theory of aging. And it's a, these are just phenomenal articles to read. But what it does is it really, Um, presents a powerful uh, premise for what happens in the process of aging and what happens to set the stage for um, symptoms. Because from cradle to grave, we're we're, we're accumulating certain minerals and we're losing other minerals. Well, what what are we accumulating? Well, we're accumulating calcium and iron as we age. What are we losing? We're losing magnesium and copper as we age. Where's where's the crisscross around the age of forty? What's a what's a indicative sign that we we've got mineral dysregulation? We have to go to the eye doctor to get our either either get glasses or get them upgraded. You, you talk to people. When did you get those glasses? It's usually around the age of forty when when it kicks in. And so the with the eyes go, therefore if there go the body. But but the thing is especially especially guys, we're, we're magnets for iron from cradle to grave. We have an enormous capacity to, to take on iron. Why do women outlive men? Two reasons, one, they're smarter and they have a monthly blood loss for 40 years. And that, that dumping of iron is what allows them to um, not be exposed to so much oxidative stress. And, and what is oxidative stress? We're back into the mitochondria, the iron, and the oxygen are not being regulated properly. And what's a, what's a very important premise for people to understand is that the mitochondria, the mitochondria is the terminal destination for iron and oxygen. And, and if they're not regulated and managed there properly, if, if the oxygen is not being turned into water, and if the iron is not being recycled into heme groups or iron sulfur clusters. Inside our mitochondria by copper directed enzymes. If that's not happening, then we are going to build rust. And then we've got the start of metabolic dysfunction. It's a fancy phrase, or that's a fancy phrase for energy deficiency, as you noted. And, and the, as the energy deficiency builds, it becomes more and more symptomatic. And so it's important for people to realize that this idea of Free radicals, and again, I, I just think the terminology is phenomenal. Free radicals, hey, have as many as you want. They're free, right? You know, free, what the, the, the world of science is filled with these quirky little phrases, free radicals. What, what they should be saying is these are incredibly toxic chemicals. They're, they're very reactive inside our body and they're meant to be regulated by enzymes that have copper batteries but that's the part that no one knows about. And so people may know about oxidative stress. What There's actually three stages to oxidative stress. It's, it's, a, it's a continuum, it's a, uh, it's a spectrum disorder, if you will. Oxidative stress starts out as hypoxia, builds into what's called inflammation, and then it, its terminal destination is something called cytotoxicity. Well, cytotoxicity is just a fancy way of saying cancer. And inflammation is just a fun, funny way of saying hydrogen peroxide. Well, what's the what's the, um, the problem at the very beginning? Again, we've been taught to believe that hypoxia means lack of oxygen. No, no, we're not at Mount Everest. The only time we're at Mount Everest is when we're inside our mother's womb. The amount of oxygen there is very tiny. That's a topic for another discussion. But, the, but hypoxia is really lack of bioavailable copper to flip oxygen into water. And if it can't do that, you're gonna make what's called superoxide. That's an oxygen molecule with an attitude. It's got an extra electron, gives it, gives it a real big punch. And then the superoxide is gonna be turned into hydrogen peroxide. So again, those are, those are the classic, uh, they're also called oxides. So you've got oxidative stress, Oxidants, free radicals, they all are referring to the same chemicals, and they're all supposed to be regulated inside the mitochondria and ultimately inside the cell so they don't become too exhaustive. Get it? Exhaustive. And so uh, people need to recognize that when we're eating the right diet, when we're taking the right nutrients, when we are stopping the wrong nutrients, which we'll get into, I'm sure, in subsequent conversation, that that our body has a natural ability to regulate itself. And we've been trained, again, back to misled, misfed, we've been trained like circus bears to believe that our bodies are powerless and that we must go to the priest to get some synthetic chemical to, to bring our body back into balance. It's like, no, that's just not true. Absolutely not true.
0: Yeah. And following that up is this if you, Equal or remove the dip- disparity between demand and supply, and you're producing enough energy to meet the demands. Your body knows what to do with it, uh, and, and so I, I guess elaborating on what we talked about earlier, Morley, before we got started, was the the micro trip chip of the of the mitochondria, and how I really believe, as you've mentioned, with that micro trip, how important it is to regulate the programs that are being run by the computer. And there's no more sophisticated computer than our human body. And, and what I think should also be elucidated is the fact that we should have it. When we have oxidants or accidents with oxygen radicals happening, we we should have, it, it does help us, uh, not all radicals are are bad per se, like if we have hydrogen peroxide being able to be spilled off from cellular respiration, it communicates with your immune system to attack pathogens effectively. And that's where we regulate homeostasis. But the problem is, is that copper is deficient. So it's not there to regulate that microchip effectively. And then you have that continuum just kind of become an avalanche that rolls downhill and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and doesn't get turned off, ultimately creating a mixture of that hydrogen peroxide with iron, which creates the never good, no purpose whatsoever hydroxyl radical, which is getting a little bit into the weeds. Um, But what is actually happening for it for denim to call it aging? Like what, why like those free radicals, if they're not contained and you know, I've, you and I have talked about Bob Miller and Bob Miller is a six, um, you know, decimal point or a standard deviation guy. But one of the sayings I really love by his is we've learned everything that we could learn as effectively in Goldilocks in the three bears with not too little, not too much, but just right. So, so what is it about that? I mean, you don't want to take antioxidants to the cows come home. So you don't have any exhaust because that regulates your immune system uh, provided copper is available to turn it off, turn it on signal coordinate, do everything that it needs to do with it. But then at the same time, once that iron does get trapped in tissues because of lack of bioavailable copper, and that doesn't get exposed. dealt with effectively and too much exhaust is happening now you have these nasty hydroxyl radicals Um, what what happens for that to cause aging what is actually going on there
1: that's a great great question i mean the the aging aging process or aging itself is just another way of saying iron accumulation i mean there's a lot of research about that i mean the work of um douglas Gutteridge and Hollowell, or Robert Crichton in the Netherlands. I mean, there are some big, big names that have been studying this. Um, and they're, they're the ones who came up with this idea that we accumulate one milligram of iron every day we're on the planet. Well, folks, get your calculator out, put in your age, multiply it times 365, and you're going to get a big number. It's going to be five digits. And under ideal circumstances, women should have 4,000 milligrams of iron. And guys should have 5,000. Men can hold more iron. We have more testosterone, which allows us to handle that iron. But we live in an iron-enriched world. Everything is fortified with iron and calcium and vitamin D. And people are not stopping to think about, well, wait a minute, what happened to copper and magnesium and retinol? Why are we talking about those three? And all we're we're worried about is iron and calcium and vitamin D. And it's like, it's out of balance. Everything, I mean, the the problem is we are designed, we really are designed for homeostasis. And here's a really powerful image for people to get in their mind. I'm sure many of your listeners have been on a boogie board. It's got that ball in the center and you've got to use energy in your legs to stay in balance. Right? And and if you're on the board and you've got your energy going, everything's fine. You stay in balance. The minute you release the energy, it's going to go one way or the other. That's when people are sick. That's when they have quote dis-ease. They're either here or they're there. But when they're healthy, they're in balance. They're in homeostasis. And that requires energy. And that's why the energy deficiency is so endemic. It's, it's the signal event. It's the very first event to start the aging process and the um, so-called disease process. It all starts with energy deficiency. That's the work of uh, Douglas Wallace, famous geneticist at um, Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania. And just to really build this image for people so they understand what's going on. Let's go back to our High school biology class. Let's so open up the textbook to see a picture of the cell. And when we look at the picture of the cell, there might have been one or two, maybe three, maybe three mitochondria. Well, that's not how it works. You know, we actually have forty quadrillion. That's fifteen zeros, folks. We have forty quadrillion mitochondria in our body. The average cell has five hundred. That's a lot of mitochondria per cell. Try to picture that. But the average liver cell is 2,000 mitochondria, kidney cell, 4,000 mitochondria, heart cell, 10,000. The mature egg in a woman's body, number of mitochondria, 600,000. Then we have, we have neurons in our brain that are actually as long as my arms. So picture this, is three, three feet long. They're, they're, they're three feet long and they have 2 million. Mitochondria, well, we can't can't even get our head around that. It's like, oh my gosh. And so we've got to appreciate that the the presence of mitochondria in our body is vastly different than what we were trained to believe. But then we get to to the terminology itself. If if we take the classic work of say, um, Dr. Kohlenbach, famous German, uh, uh, he was a physiologist, um, studied the mitochondria, he would call it an energy factory. That's, we're back to the high school biology textbook. Well, then let's let's upgrade it. Uh, Brian Glancy at NIH. Uh, he's a very up and coming scientist and he refers to the mitochondria as um, the power grid. That's a different image. We've got energy factory, we've got power grid and, and, the, and the pictures in his articles are phenomenal. He's if you're not familiar with his work, Brian Glancy, 2015, 2017, 2019. Amazing uh, pictures in his work. Well, then we then I was reading an article just the other day um, by Beltowski, B-E-L-T-O-W-S-K-I, 2018. And it was talking about the mitochondria and something called the uncoupling protein. What made a very important reference to the fact that mitochondria are the energetic metabolic redox, reduction oxidation, redox information signaling centers of the cell. Wow, that's a very different image. We've gone from energy factory to this very sentient part of our cell. And then yesterday I was reading an article by Dr. Ruez from 2021, just a few months ago. And It's the role of copper in the mitochondria, and she used a phrase I'd never seen before. She referred to the mitochondria as biological microchips. Wow! Wow! And so we, we, you know, you and I are graced to have um, computers that are working. Thank, thankfully, Malcolm mm-hmm. Wood, and and the motherboard of our computers is running on silver. That these machines of ours do not work. We can't have this conversation if we don't have enough silver in our motherboard. Well, it turns out our the motherboard, our metabolic motherboard, runs on copper, and no one told us that. And so it's a very different understanding of the it's, all of it's connected. And there's a there's actually a program that runs all these mitochondria. It's absolutely amazing. It's called AMPK. There's an actual mic. That's the that's the program that runs the microgrid or microchip of the of the cell. And it's and it's in an every mitochondria and it's like there's a like an oh my gosh moment when you realize that that there really is a metabolic program that's running our vitality AMPK oh and there's a there's a bad guy program it's called mTOR and I and I know Bob Miller knows all about mTOR he loves to talk about mTOR and he's really gifted at talking about mTOR well how do you activate mTOR iron how do you activate AMPK copper and so it's just and, and these these are the these are the Cain and Abel forces in our body, and people don't realize that there is this primal tension between copper and iron, and it's absolutely phenomenal when you get into it. But you've got to you've got to step past the paradigm of conventional thinking, and you've got uh, to. It's, it's important to embrace that there's more to the story. And what I, what I really appreciate, Joel, is just is that is to have this kind of conversation with someone like yourself who you really do understand this and you really do seek to bring this knowledge to your community and i really i commend you for that because it's so important for for more people to realize that it, it is a very straightforward process it's just we didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle and and what the book you know cure your fatigue does is it introduces new pieces of the puzzle it's not it's not the complete answer i think it's a good i think it's a good reference point Helps people understand where the where the challenges are, but what it's really meant to do is empower the, the public to begin to take control of their their homeostasis so that they can regain their health. That's really what it's about.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for the nice words. Definitely, it like you said, the democratization of healthcare and bringing the power back to the people. Uh, you know, not just at the thirty thousand view foot, but at the cellular level too. And ultimately, one of the things that I love that you mentioned earlier that especially for people that look at the term adrenal fatigue, which is has its own controversy, which morally I'm in the process of doing a, a report on the history of how that, you know, while Hans Selye was sort of the father of stress research, he really did create and initiate the the controversy associated with adrenal fatigue, because of the fact that in his three general adaptation theory, named his final stage, the exhaustion stage, well, in 1859, um, already a a doctor named uh, Addison came up with uh, an idea of the fact that um there's this thing um, that we they actually thought it was first an, an ad- adrenaline problem because they didn't realize that um, at that time it had yet to be synthesized um, but they they thought it was the inner part of the adrenals that no longer because the opposite of adrenaline is wasting and fatigue so they thought it was an adrenaline problem only to realize that it was the cortical problem and it wasn't able to, put out enough uh cortisol to to meet a baseline amount and so medicine already had its definition of what an exhaustion problem was or an insufficiency problem was and one in a hundred thousand whereas people read the internet and come up with a term called adrenal fatigue when in reality it's not in the peer-reviewed journals it's not taught in the medicine And uh, in in medical schools, just like uh, what we're talking about right now, and mineral balance and energy production is not taught. And then to your point, we're misled and misfed. And it becomes almost the thing that really upsets me is the dogmatic holier than thou dismissal. Uh, And then the almighty profit of the dollar to keep it running. But anyways, one of the things I want to talk about, which is probably a good ending point, at least going through this theory, is I love this concept of, well, I still don't necessarily agree if if I'm just a listener that it's this copper thing. I heard it's toxic. That's more of a problem than deficient. I am like I've had people, I'm sure you've had this where their doctor has told them they're iron anemic Morley that they're that they've had to take transfusions and they've had to do it and what you're telling me is sacrosanct to what's going on but what I love is and you told me almost felt like reincarnate in terms of being there in the room when um, Warburg who basically researched that was laughed at as cancer is a metabolic disease and ultimately it can't be so easy that your cellular respiration is breaking down with the presence of oxygen and you found and his his disciple uh Krebs who both were scientists with Nobel Prize uh r- r- resumes and uh are wanting to understand how does energy get produced in the body? Like how how does it happen? I want and you found a paper, brought it back to life, and it really pointed to the importance of copper and, and more than iron. So why don't you, why don't you kind of finish it off that way, and then we'll have a to be continued from from here. Yeah,
1: that's great. And and I would I had a, I had the pleasure of meeting with one of my research heroes, Jamie Collins, down at University of Florida. And he actually gave me a he gave me a Nobel Prize. he's I mean, like, pretty cool, right? Yeah. We're gonna, the, we're gonna ignore the fact that there's chocolate in the center, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. but so so we're, we're dealing with uh, two esteemed scientists, clinicians. These guys, you know, we're talking about, you know, Hans Krebs. You know, Hans Adolf Krebs was his full name, and uh, Otto Heinrich Warburg. So these are Germans. This is in um, pre-war Germany. We're in uh, the late 1920s, and from 1926 to 1930, Krebs works for four <laughs> just the, the image of those two working together is just amazing to think about. And um, in 1927, um, they did an experiment with pigeons and geese, and they bled these birds almost to the point of death. And so, so what were they actually doing? They were, they were creating a true state of anemia. There's very little blood. There's no iron now, because the blood is, is outside of the animal. And they wanted to see what's the metabolic physiological response to that clearly stressful state for those birds. And what they discovered, much to their surprise, is that in the pigeons, there was a three-fold increase in copper enzymes, and in the geese, a six-fold increase in copper enzymes. Now, again, it's 1927. They hadn't discovered, they won't discover ceruloplasmin and its ferrooxidase enzyme function for 21 years. 1948 is when uh, Holmberg and Laurel, Swedish physiologists, discovered this blue protein that is it's the powerhouse of our body. But back in 1927, they knew what a copper enzyme was. And there was this and this huge influx in the, in the geese. And what happened to that research? It gets pushed aside. Why? Because it it clearly indicated that copper regulates iron. When you when you have a near total loss of iron and the body responds with copper enzymes, well, that's that tells us who's in charge. And in the world of homeopathy, copper is referred to as the general, and iron is referred to as the foot soldier. Now, what's really critical to understand is when we're talking about Dr. Warburg. This is a guy who got nominated for. For the non chocolate form of this metal, 47 times. 47 times. This guy, I don't think there's any other scientist on the planet who's had that kind of recognition. Um, And he wins the Nobel Prize in 1931 for an enzyme that has the classification 1.9.3.1. Only reason why I remember that is 1931. And so, Dr. Warburg got the Nobel because he's the one who identified this specific respiratory complex, complex four, in the electron transport chain. But here's the catch. What did he call it? The the German phrase was Atmungsferment, which means respiratory ferment, but he referred to it in English as iron oxidase. And gave no homage to copper. And that threw off scientists for decades because they thought iron was running the mitochondria. When in fact, when you get into the bowels of the research, especially this uh 2021, 20, it's like it's copper all over the place. And that's, what, that's the basis of my research, is of, of my uncovering the research that I've uncovered, is that it's clearly a copper dependent mechanism on, on every level. And again, that just has not been, that truth has not been brought forward because there's no, there's no money in that level of understanding because it puts, it puts the individual in control, which is really what we're seeking to do. But that may not be the interest of those who are at, at the top of the pecking order. So that, that's kind of a, the history behind it. And, and what, uh, what, what Joel was referring to is that I have this sneaking suspicion, I believe in past lives, I have a feeling I was a technician off in the corner, saw what happened, and didn't do anything about it. And now in this lifetime, I'm like, trying to get the word out. Come on, folks, it's, it's not what you think it is. And it's, it's a, it's actually almost a comical experience to have the level of insight I have now, you know, again, on the heels of my, my, uh, my college career. And And yet it feels at times like my my microphone is about an inch high when what I need is an Empire State Building microphone. And I don't know. But it's it's these types of conversations that are so invigorating and the ripple effect is phenomenal, as you know, you you don't know where these conversations are going to go. So it's just it's always a delight to have this kind of repartee and and you kind of respond to these really important questions so people have a completely different understanding about what's going on so i I really appreciate that
0: yeah well no it's i love hearing the stories i could just imagine the rolling of the grave when he when he named it it, (laughs) in a in a way that misled everyone and then on top of that the research got buried and it's not it's like no that's not what i meant at all it it reminds (laughs) me of a story where I heard this story and it just kind of popped into my brain where the little girl asked her mom, why do we cut off the little loaf of the of the meatloaf? You, you know, and if you heard this story before, yeah, and I'll just li- leave it for the uh, listener to understand. So I finished the thought and she says, well, that's because grandma does that. And, you know, it's a family tradition. So I might be butchering it. So I apologize no, if butch- I
1: you've got it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And then so, you know, grandma happened to be there and, and the girl asked her grandma, why do you cut that end of why did we cut this off? And it's like, well, it's because your great grandmother did that. And lo and behold, the great grandmother was there too. And she asked the great grandmother, Well, why did you um, cut the end of the the meatloaf off. And she said, well, because we didn't have a big enough, you know, um, cooking pan to to put it in. And I think that's apropos in terms of what we're talking about and how we get misled and misfed. Uh, and, and intentionally, too. And it's that it's that sort of that glass house or the first stone that's cast um, leads us to false truths. And as you put is missing information is missing truths. And what we have now, as you have seen and mentioned, is almost if you watch Seinfeld, the George Costanza approach to healthcare is do the exact opposite of what we've been told and will probably do well. Right. But on top of that, it's not only that; it's the fact that um, there's a pan, more than a pandemic of, of energy p- crisis, and, and even though with and you, you allude to it a lot with food, and it's it's the small the small of savings or the the sh- the my wife always says to me the lazy man works twice as hard, right? if you would have just done the job in the beginning, and I think what's going to be happening is we have this pandemic of metabolic dysfunction or tidal wave, not even pandemic is a good word because it's the reason why people do so poorly when they get exposed to to a virus and they're being told to do other things that are making their energy productions problems even worse and more likely to do worse with that. But either way, what I'm trying to say is, is that We've we've been tripping over dollars to save pennies and and with the food and the processing and how much cheaper it is um, ultimately going to have to pay the piper at some point where you're going to have the bankrupting of, of our system because of all of these chronic illnesses that that are coming our way or are here already. But as as much as I say, because morally, I'm from Canada originally, and, and I say when you move to the U.S., it's the the best of the best and the worst of the worst. And I really feel that's where we are with research is while this is daunting and overwhelming, and there's all the people that are suffering with exhaustion and fatigue, there really is a root cause protocol, which, which is out there, which is not meant to be a cookie cutter program. It's meant to be massaged and, and, and basically customized, but it's very therapeutic and and effective at producing energy and decreasing the, the demand and supply inequality so that your body has the intelligence to do what it will with it. And I guess that's what we'll do with our next part. So, um, I guess what I would ask you in passing is, well, let's say this is piqued people's interest that haven't heard of you and it's amazing. And you offer really great information, whether it's the book itself or on your website, the actual protocols to do and start and begin. So where can a listener find that Morley? And why don't you tell them a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. Um, For those that are on social media, there's a a Facebook page and a Facebook group. There's a Facebook group called the Magnesium Advocacy Group. Um, the Facebook page is the Root Cause Protocol. Um, And there's a website, RCP for Root Cause Protocol, rcp123.org. And now there's a book, uh, it's called Cure Your Fatigue very, and again, it's play on words, as, as Joel noted, the, the CU is, uh, got a little box around it, so you recognize the symbol for copper, the cure your fatigue, and you can get that on Amazon, A Books, Barnes, uh, all the platforms, you won't find it in your mom and pop bookstores yet, that's going to take a little bit of time, but, uh, it's doing well, this is a very healthy sales, um, process to undertake, I'm, I'm really pleased with, the receptivity that people have to the book. It comes in a physical book and an ebook. And in the spring there'll be an audio book available for people because I know folks are always on the fly and they need they need other ways to, to get their information. And the other thing that people are if they're at all piqued and, and kind of intrigued by this, we have a training program. It's a 16-week training program. It's called the RCP Institute. Again, you can you can Google that. And you can find it on that rcp123.org. And then for the for the critical few, there's always some that want to reach out personally. Um, my email address, it's just my first and last name at Gmail. And for those really enterprising folks, my phone number is area code 847-922-8061. This is usually when the... When the the podcast host is like, you gave out your cell phone number? And and I've done that for years because I figure um, it's, it's better to, to make the information available. And people seem to have the self-regulating capacity to know when it's important to call or not. And I welcome calls and look forward to the conversation. So a lot of different ways to, to reach out. Now, there are probably 100 podcasts conversations like this out there. Uh, they're getting really uh, exciting as as people, more people are reading the book and really beginning to understand this. So I think there's, there's no shortage of uh, opportunities to, to hear me, blah, blah, blah. And it's always fun to talk with people like Joel who really gets it. I mean, it's like, the, I wish we had recorded the first two conversations we had. It was, it was a blitzkrieg of, of information back and forth. And I, I genuinely appreciate the, um, the work that you've done to amass your understanding and, and look forward to our continued uh, dialogue going forward because I think it's going to be, we're gonna uncover some fun uh, nuances for people, especially, I, I still, I'm just, I'm really loving overhead, too much overhead. I love that.
0: <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad to contribute something. I, and I yeah, can think absolutely. it's a testament to, um, to you to make yourself available to anyone that wants a little more insight. And you're right, it's a self selecting uh, process. And ultimately, for me, there's been little nuances that have really increased my understanding. So what we'll do is we'll take it, we'll keep it at the one standard deviation, but we'll maybe get a little bit more into the weeds, because a lot of the things that i look at as well get into the the genomics and it doesn't mean just because you have this gene snip it, it, it it's it's a one gene snip approach it's a it's a sort of a 3d chess game played underwater even though i agree with you morley in terms of it's a real tell for me now i almost sort of kind of wish i didn't you know sometimes you wish you don't know what you know now but i I, i'm past that point where i have tells when i know people tell me that they're taking ascorbic acid or vitamin d there's all these tells now that i have where i like okay you're not you're not on the wavelength of fundamentally producing energy at the level that you need to And it becomes, but, but with that being said, I do want to take it that next step level with our next conversation and get into what ceruloplasm is, get into the importance of vitamin A. I, you know, one of the things I'll tell you is the MBR, the magnesium burn rate was a real game changer for me. I, 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 we all know about how important magnesium. In fact, we underestimate not just the enzyme function, but the protein function and how many more by, by. Tens of, you know, 10 times more important in cellular energy production and running this show. That was a big game changer for me. So thank you so much because those little nuances you know in terms of the parietal principle one to two to three percent of the things you change get 97 percent of the results and i've been seeing that firsthand so so thank you so much for that but we'll do it to be continued everyone knows how to get in contact with you and we'll be publishing this soon and um, i look forward to part two so thank you so much for for your time today morley you bet
1: thanks so much for the, uh, the chance to have this done
0: Thanks for tuning into today's Truth About Your Health podcast, where our mission is to expose the truth about adrenal fatigue to burnt out men and women so that we can empower 100 million people to go from exhausted to energized. If you've liked what you've heard today and you're interested to see if this is a good fit for you to work with our Truth About Adrenal Fatigue Recovery Program, here's what to do next head on over to the truthaboutadrenalfatigue.com, all one word, forward slash podcast, forward slash booking. Again, the truthaboutadrenalfatigue.com, forward slash podcast, forward slash booking, and book an appointment to speak to one of our team members. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and get crystal clear on three things. Number one, Where exactly are you right now with your health? What's working? Troubleshoot everything that you're doing or not doing and most importantly, figure out what's being missed and how much it's impacting you. On the flip side, we'll then tell you what would your health be like if it was solved and what would you be doing differently and what would that look like? So that by the end of the call, we will tell you everything that we think you need to do to bridge that gap and do it quickly. If we feel like you're a good fit for what we do, we'll tell you exactly how that will work. But there's no obligation to have to do any further work together. That way, no matter what happens, the call is going to give you tremendous value, hope, and direction. Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. And our mission is to empower 100 million people to go from exhausted to energized as we've been helping coaching clients all over the world be able to transform their lives. Isn't it time for you to transform yours? Head on over to the truthaboutadrenalfatigue.com forward slash podcast forward slash booking and book your discovery call today.